Okay, gang, so you find me this morning at uh, Bournemouth Hospital, in the lovely grounds of Bournemouth Hospital by a lake, a man-made lake. And I'm sat here this morning with uh, Julia and Danny, and they're two uh, clinical nurse specialists in the haematology department here at Bournemouth. Morning, Danny. Morning. Morning, Julia. Good morning. So a lot of people have been asking me questions about what does a clinical nurse specialist do and what is their role in our WM journey? So I'm hoping to talk to both these ladies this morning to get an insight into what they can do, uh, what their role is, and most importantly, how they can help us on our WM journey. So, Julia, you seem to be um, all over this. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do here? Sure. So uh, I'm Julia. I'm the haematology nurse specialist um, at Bournemouth site. So... I look after um, all patients, really, with any haematological condition, and that ranges for both malignant and non-malignant conditions. But we're just going to focus on malignant conditions today. So um, th there are three subset areas that we can divide between, one being lymphoma, one being leukaemia, and one being something called myeloma. Now, with lymphoma, there are over 100 different types. Uh, and each management or treatment can be different, so we have to be very much aware of what treatments and uh, options are available for people. With leukaemia, it's subset to four categories, and then myeloma is myeloma in itself. So what I tend to do um, here at Bournemouth is I see all the new patients. Now, they could come to us uh, when they refer to us. It may be something from a routine blood test and an abnormality has shown up, or it could be something that they've been attending their GPs for, for potentially weeks, months, or sometimes actually even years. And that can then be quite frustrating for the patient. So trying to highlight normal pathways um, to just reassure the patient that actually, yes, we found a condition, potentially a malignant condition, but actually there are treatment options out there. Now, when, when a patient's diagnosed, it could be, um, if it's a, say, I'll just focus more on the lymphoma aspect there. You have the high-grade lymphomas and your low-grade lymphomas. So high-grade lymphomas tend to be a bit more aggressive and they present a bit more acutely than what a, a low-grade lymphoma or leukaemia would. So having open access to inpatient wards and going around the hospital, patients who may be admitted from A&E to referrals from GPs, so, so we see people, we go with the doctors usually, they go through the diagnosis and then we're there to support. So make sure that the patient understands a diagnosis. Make sure they understand if they are for actual active treatment or if they're for an active monitoring approach. If it involves treatment, what treatment is it? So what regime, what drugs are they? How long are they going to be having treatment? Are they going to need to be an inpatient? Is it something we can give in the outpatient setting or is it tablets that they can take at home? So there's an awful lot to consider. We also like to give patients their information because we know when we see patients for the first time, they will not take in as much information as we give them. That's true. So we yeah. support that with, with physical hard information. Um, I provide them then with my contact details because you can guarantee you will think of a bonus question that you should have asked and that's why we're here, is to ask the, answer those questions. Now, if somebody's on an active monitoring approach, um, again, it's supporting them, making sure they feel comfortable and confident, knowing what symptoms to look out for. Okay, you've told me I have a cancer diagnosis. You've told me you're not going to treat. We're going to have active monitoring. 
what am I actively monitoring at home? What can I do for myself? How can I help? So it's giving them that army of advice so they can live as well as they can at home, but also know who to contact and when. And again, this stands for patients both having treatment or not, is who, who do patients contact? Do they contact the hospital, the secretaries, try to contact a doctor, try to contact their nurse specialist, go to the GP? And what I generally tend to say is contact me first. If I think it's something you need to go to the GP about, I will give you the information you need to say to the GP, I've contacted my nurse specialist, this is what they've said to me, and this is what they've said for me to you. So then hopefully any treatment or any investigation which needs to take place aside from their haematological condition can be further investigated. Mm. Now there, there may be times and occasions where it, it doesn't go directly through the GP and it goes through other referrals throughout the hospital and again I'm there as that link go-to person to then inform the consultant mm. this is the condition or situation and then the consultant will decide this is what we need to do. So then I then feed that back to the patient. It's also following up on that, making sure either an appointment or a referral has been made. What has been the outcome? Is that going to affect any impact on treatment or not? So it's taking all that into consideration from the patient, feeding it to the doctor and then feeding back to the patient again. So that's that's really important thing, important thing you've raised there. So you, you are our point of contact. But most importantly, you, you do have access to the doctor that we don't have. Because I can ring up Helen's secretary and, and get nowhere. But I can have a conversation with you. And if you think it's important enough, you you can go and see Helen. Indeed. If not right at that moment, but at some point Indeed. that day and come back to me with, Indeed. with information. Brilliant. Indeed. Okay. And, and through experience as well, you can learn to triage. Yeah. Has, has somebody developed symptoms straight away in the last day or two and it's a concern but this is something that's been bumbling on um one one i like to think of is uh fatigue and tiredness Mm. is that something gradual is that something related to an an older age or is this something acute that's happened within the last two three days which is completely out of a normal patient character okay brilliant excellent and um and danny what is it tell us a little bit about what you do Hello, so uh, my name's Danny, and I'm one of the um, haematology research nurses at Bournemouth Hospital. Um, I work within a, um, a group of other, of, of other um, colleagues in uh, one of our um, offices at Bournemouth Hospital. Um, so I mainly look after patients on clinical trials uh, with WM and something called uh, chronic lymphocytic leukaemia. So as my as part of my job role, um, as sort of Julie has mentioned. Um, we kind of we patients uh, that are reviewed uh, in our multidisciplinary sort of discussions, um, or we have uh, sort of newly presented WM patients that come into clinic, um, or those that have been on active monitoring that are sort of progressing towards needing some sort of treatment. And if we have um, a clin- a clinical trials open um, for Warnstrom's patients, um, uh, you know that we can offer. I think of the different types of treatment um, with trials, there are observational studies, sorry Danny, um, observational studies and studies and trials which involve treatments and it's also getting the best for the patient as to which which treatment option potentially may be. Um, absolutely and um, I think as part of our job role, um, you know, we, we essentially um, pre-screen patients that our consultants have sort of um, 
you know, alerted us to. And there is, with all clinical trials, there is um, a set inclusion and exclusion criteria involved, um, which we would discuss with you um, at your clinic appointment or over the phone to see, um, you know, if there is anything that would um, possibly prevent you from taking part in that study. Um, we would normally come and introduce ourselves in um, in clinic, um, uh, you know, with uh, with um, with Helen, Dr. McCarthy, and here at Bournemouth, um, and we would give out some information on uh, a study um, that we have going at the hospital and discuss a little bit about what it involves, um, what the what the treatment sort of pathway is, how many visits are required, you know, um, things like travelling as well to site. Um, is the treatment something that you have to stay in hospital for? Is it, mm. um, you know, a, um, a simple oral medication that you can take at home? Um, and obviously there are many, many questions that we have from our patients and, you know, we give them enough time to read all the information um, and, um, you know, they, they we, I give them my contact details, they come in to us, um, they can phone me anytime and, um, uh, you know, I can ask, answer as many questions as possible and if there's any questions I can't answer, I would then go to obviously the, the consultant mm. to find that information and come back to them with that. Um, and if, if, if it's something they would like to go on to, then obviously we get them back into clinic again and um, rediscuss all of that information with them to see if they give them all of the, you know, um, informed, you know, uh, information so that they can uh, make a decision if they'd like to consent onto the study or not. Um, and going from there, we would then um, normally, um, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a, a pathway that you may have off trial anyway with things such as um, blood test, you know, blood tests, uh, uh, perhaps bone marrow, um, a CT scan, all is set as a, a sort of baseline for any treatment. Mm. And, um, that, you know, there are things involved with certain trials such as uh, we do take um, sort of local samples at the hospital as well as... Um, sort of uh, clinical trial samples that go off to a central laboratory as well where our, we've got clinical trials assistants that do some um, as well as us do some spinning in our laboratory to send those samples off um, there, is, there is there are lots of different aspects to the trial that are um, sort of in, involved um, behind the scenes um, and um, you know we we are we are the patient's point of call throughout the whole of that trial even even during follow-up phases if they stop treatment or yeah. you know go on to another clinical trial at all um so do you actively recruit people for trials then? so yes. if, if i mean do you sort of a trial comes along perhaps and you think he she they would suit their trial yes and am i right in thinking i think we're always told that any clinical trial we get the, the gold standard treatment anyway a clinical trial will yeah. never be worse than that it'll always be as good or better yes. no absolutely yeah. and um there's no um absolutely no obligation or pressure to right. go on to a clinical trial yeah. and uh, you know some of our trials are looking at a standard of care treatment what the treatment that you may get yeah. offered anyway um versus something yeah. you know uh, um, uh, a different um type of treatment that has been sort of proven to work in other types of lymphoma um that may have perhaps less side effects, um, you know, uh, progression-free survival, things like that, which is what they're looking at. Um, so, yeah. you know, you've got your normal sort of standard of care treatment and your exploratory sort of treatment, really. I do think it's important to say as well that trials are very tightly regulated. 
Um, and a lot of people get nervous about clinical trials and studies and what that involves, particularly if it involves in a, a new medication. Um, but it's important to say that they are very tightly regulated and actually you do get more, I would say, follow-up and um, support from the, the research team probably than what you would on the standard treatment anyway. Um, so th there is a lot involved. It's not, it's not just a case of Danny goes, oh, this is potential treatment for you. She has to, um, for example, uh, about multidisciplinary teams, just going on to that, is that that's a meeting where the consultants, doctors, nurses all get together and discuss each individual patient. And it's not just new patients, it's continuing patients. So it's looking at a, a person, their diagnosis, are they needing treatment and what treatments are available? And then there is a group discussion as to what potentially would be the best. Yeah. So then we can feed that back to the patients. And whether it be a clinical trial, I'd be the first one to say, I'd ask my colleague to be in contact. She can tell you more about the trial if it's something you're interested in. Um, or what other treatment may be available for them. We'd also say if, if a doctor or medical person has a preference or if they think it would suit them better, we would say that, but ultimately it's not for us to make the decision for the patient, it's to give the patient as much information as we can so that they can make the informed decision for themselves for what's right for them. Brilliant. And you, that you've just raised a really important question, so I get asked a lot um, about this, Is and I'm a bit of an example, so I'm under Helen McCarthy, and then lockdown came along, and then I got my four monthly phone calls, never got it from the same person. And when I came in last week, I saw Dr. Chaco. And I know I know, I believe I know, that um, Helen will have seen my blood results and she will probably have said to him, he's all right, give, you know, send him off for another three months. But some of my uh, fellow WMers around the country who are seeing haematologists who perhaps aren't that clued up on WM really talk to me about their concerns about does this person really know what they're talking about? And I always kind of try and reassure them and say, look, they will have had a meeting with the person in charge of that department, the person who's in overall charge of your condition, with all everybody who's involved, and they will have discussed your individual case, and they will have, that guy, that lady or man, will be coming in and they'll be armed with all the information that they need to tell you. So even though they might not appear to know what they're talking about, in our case, Helen will have briefed them uh, on how best to proceed. Is that a fair assessment of what that... Discussions about here at Bournemouth. I can't say everywhere. I can't say it happens everywhere. Um, having worked in one of the popular London hospitals and working here at Bournemouth, that is generally the pattern. I think it's also um, right for the patients to know that if they don't feel confident or competent with the information they're being told from their consultant, mm. yes, there would have been that discussion. But the patient can also ask to see somebody else or as a, a re-referral mm. or a second opinion. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely a right thing to do. And that's something both me, Bob, and, and yourself, we promote. Yeah. To make sure yeah. that the patient feels happy, content and secure in their diagnosis. Yeah, I cover second opinions a lot in my conversations. And uh, and I know some successful ones have, have taken place. You'll, you'll, know, you'll know Lucy, who came across from East Sussex last year. She wasn't happy and, and came across for a consultation with Helen and now I saw her only the other day and she's fine uh, and she's put a story out on our website this week about her experience of a second opinion so that's good okay that's brilliant that's fantastic um, 
Is there anything else you wanted to cover that I've missed? Um, so I was just going to say, as a general for Wardo Strong patient advice, please, with your healthcare teams, um, please do know that there are over a thousand, uh, sorry, a hundred types of lymphoma, and that we had this discussion previously. But Wardo Strong does come quite low down um, on on that list, and it's not something doctors or GPs usually jump to the first conclusion. This is what it could be. Mm. So. You know, if you are out there and going to the GP, continue doing that. You will have a nurse specialist at your hospital. Be in contact with them. They can only be as much help to you if they know what you need or what you want from them. So be in contact with your nurse specialist. If you don't know who that is, contact the secretaries. They will give the haematology secretaries. They will give you the contact details. So that is the last thing I'd like. Brilliant. These ladies are very happy because I've just given them one of my Wardenstrom black macroglobulin anemia mugs. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> ladies, thank you so much uh, for giving up your time this morning. I really, really appreciate it. And um, just thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you.